0: Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. back to part two of our double bill for the start of series three. I am so excited to share this super special episode with you today but it comes with a really important warning. With my guest Danielle I'm going to be speaking again about grief and loss and so I just want you to be aware that that is what the topic is going to be today. It's a really special episode and if you are going through loss and grieving yourself at the moment this is definitely for you but just take the time to potentially listen to it in sections or listen to it with someone who can be there for you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am so happy to welcome Danielle who's joining me today. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you Um, and learn a little bit more about your journey and your story as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that you know a little bit about how the podcast is set up And what I like to do is not give you a big introduction, but instead for the audience to kind of meet you where you're at. And then we go back to a time when potentially you were feeling a bit hopeless or feeling very low in yourself. And then we'll sort of explore that a little bit, move our way forward to what might have helped and supported you. And then forward to kind of all the amazing things that I know that you're doing now so I wonder if there's a time that you'd be happy to share with us that you were feeling very low and and maybe a little bit about why as well sure happy to so over the
1: course of the first well between between the ages of 12 and 26 I actually lost eight different people close to me kind of in different areas of my life okay um and I'd say the lowest point was actually the first experience with grief um I was in seventh grade. So here that's about age 11 to 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And two of my close friends and basketball teammates died in a a car accident suddenly. Oh
0: gosh! And they
1: were both 10 and 11. So as an 11 year old navigating those, those emotions and that experience for the first time, as you know, your family is also grieving at the same time. That was a very, very difficult period of my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at 11, you're just figuring out, who you are in the world and, and, and where you fit and where you belong and just beginning mm. all of that sort of teenage development as well. That's such right. a difficult thing to go through. And and also what you said there about the, the grieving going on around you, because it's more mm. than just your grief, isn't it? It's the family grief and then the community grief and these sort of rings layers of it, which right. is, is really, really big. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's such a difficult thing to go through. Mm. Yeah, it was um
1: it's so interesting looking back in and as an adult and you know trying to really work through, you know, either the new grief that I've been experiencing or just, you know, going through my own process with therapy and learning more about grief and, you know, how it operates within us and it's it's interesting to go back to those days and think about the different things that I was doing, the ways that mm-hmm. I was reacting to different news, the way that I was reacting to the kind of the pattern of what happens after someone dies, the when someone tells you it was actually a, um, I didn't find out the way I think my parents would like me to. Um, okay. So I was at the age of having a computer. I was very fortunate and I was, I I was downstairs and we had two different house phones and the call came in from my basketball coach and I, I answered the phone and he had kind of a shaky voice and he said, um, Dana, I need you to hang up. I need to talk to your dad. And that immediately set me off, (laughs) even Mm. at 11, I was pretty aware of, you know, I was pretty emotionally aware of what that, Mm. what that type of conversation meant. And I immediately went to the computer and started searching news. I don't, I don't know Mm. why at this age, I just was like, I need to go figure out. And I had seen, there was a horrible accident on the highway. And I didn't know any, I didn't know any context of how that was related. But then, you know, shortly after my dad brought me upstairs and explained what happened. And obviously I was devastated.
0: Of course. And it's really interesting what you said there about something within you and within all of us, I think, where we need to figure out what's going on when we know Mm -hmm. something big is going on. And it's almost like a, I don't know, a defense mechanism or a a safety thing that we think if I figure it out first, somehow I've got more control Mm -hmm. and then you know potentially that feels better somehow but mm-hmm. still of course the devastation from from such a big loss at such a young age of someone who is your peer as well which you know in all honesty lots of people don't experience until they're much much older um, exactly. you know it's a really really challenging thing to go through at 11 because yeah, I'm just trying to think about, you know, how old was I the first time that I lost someone who was my peer, my age, and, and mm. i you know, not until like late 20s, I think. So it's a huge difference in where you are emotionally. Yeah, and I definitely felt a, a piece of myself shift. And I
1: think mm. everybody experiences that when you when you lose a peer, um, when you lose someone in your in your age group, who you see yourself in more than yeah. you would see yourself in a grandparent, yeah, or, a, of course. A, you know, aunt or an uncle dying from a disease, something like that. There was a there is a significant shift. And I don't think that, um, you know, my family, to all of their credit, knew how to how to maneuver me through it. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, therapy was still a very taboo thing i think yes. uh you know we're talking 15 16 years ago so uh even longer just than that it's as,
0: not as widespread not as available yeah. either you know not not even just the attitude but the availability to
1: right and because my connection with them was through a basketball team they didn't actually go to my school um i know when 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 they passed away because it was the two girls and one of the girls mothers actually passed away in the accident oh, and so there was, you know, trauma counselors on site at their school, but all of us who were in these other schools surrounding the area didn't really have those same kind of services. Um, and I don't know if my teachers knew what was going on or had talked to my parents. I actually never asked them that. So, um, no, there was, yeah, I mean, there was a few teachers who after seeing kind of a shift in me asked a lot of questions, um, I was writing a lot of really dark poetry, which was an interesting phase of my life. Mm. I go back and I read that, and mm. it was it was beautiful but heart wrenching at the same time. And you know, I do think they caught on to what was going on and kept an eye on me. I think, mm. um, which looking back on it, I think of how special those people those people were and how supportive they were, and they sort of just let me do my thing, which. Is what I hope most parents would do in that type of situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's so difficult, you know. Even thinking as a parent and someone who's responsible for children, whether it's teacher or mm. or coach, uh, basketball coach or or whoever it might be, it's so hard to know what the right thing is to do. Like we, we know maybe we know what you know the safeguarding things if we've had mm. that kind of training, and we might know what's happened in a previous situation if there is has even been one but mm-hmm. in the moment it's so hard to make those decisions and and I, I suppose what we what we hope is that everyone's just doing the best they can at the time and i'm sure i'm sure that you know it sounds like that's what you're describing but yeah. it, as you say how how do we know how to navigate through we're just navigating through ourselves and then trying to support other people at the same time Mm -hmm. and and then you were also having that grief sort of separate from the direct community of your friends which again gives it another complex element that that makes it makes it slightly more challenging for you Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what you said about the poetry, because um, that is something that I have done, actually, in, in a time when I've found myself in a really difficult headspace, but as a much, much older person. Mm-hmm. And it is really interesting how creativity can be a way to process some of that stuff, somewhere to put some of those things, whether it's writing things down or drawing things or mm-hmm. or making things that are somewhere to put some of those intense feelings because as well you know at 11 we're not in a position yet to know that's my feelings that's someone else's feelings we're just figuring all of that out and then to have that intensity happen at that time and then also have other people grieving around you so it would it must have been so confusing to know what was yours and what was other people's and, and maybe not actually that useful to know just just maybe now in reflection it's useful to know but it's such a difficult thing so thank you thank you for being so brave and and sharing mm-hmm. that and you said there were a number of different experiences you know uh loss of of different friendships as well or 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 peers
1: yeah um so and i will say from speaking to a lot of different people around the world um you know i said mainly in the us my experience or the experience of my peers in my school district was a lot different than a lot of others growing up. Um, so that, that happened in uh, year seven, seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then, um, three short years later, I was a freshman in high school. Um, and we suddenly lost a classmate, uh, from a heart condition. Um, that one was more interesting. I think just in the way that, I reacted. I think I was expecting myself, having gone through the experiences I went through at a young age, and mm. you know the grieving process, and having you know sort of healed. I guess uh, it, it brought up a lot of those unresolved emotions that mm. I had never really worked through. I sort of just pushed them away, and then life mm. went on, and mm. um, it, it all of a sudden happened again. And uh, he was more of a friend of a friend. We weren't we weren't directly close, but we had we had a friendship, and that was directly in my school. And mm. I w- we were again. Very fortunate. There's a pattern of educators along the mm-hmm. way who, who felt the need to help. And basically, the all, the whole, all of the school teachers had been called into an emergency meeting in the morning, especially mm-hmm. our freshman class, uh, and they were going to make an announcement over over the loudspeaker at school about what happened. And mm-hmm. our teacher actually decided to tell us before that happened. Um, and she said, I just want you to know, this is what happened. He passed away. If you feel like you need to go down to the guidance counselor's office um, to not be here when that goes off, you know, you're more than welcome. And thankfully I took that advice. Um, and in that experience, I was the person screaming on the floor, you know, just, just overcome by grief. And then mm-hmm. as soon as that loudspeaker went off, you could hear it everywhere. It was like,
0: yeah,
1: it was like a a cave. I was stuck in with all this news echoing around me, and so that was a a different experience. Um, and then, unfortunately, from that point on, we had a couple more car accidents throughout high school. That we lost. Uh, we lost one classmate my senior year. Uh, one of our classmates who was in my homeroom took his own life. Um, sorry. And then, <laughs> thank you. And then, within the next four to five years, we lost. Uh, a few other classmates to uh, physical conditions. One of them uh, was struck by a car and didn't 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 survive her injuries. And then another one was in another vehicle accident. So it's a lot of like mm-hmm. traumatic death, not necessarily mm-hmm. illness, which I think mm-hmm. as going have been going through that with family. Uh, different, very different experiences of grief. Um, yeah. And it, one of the most interesting connections was that. The time that our classmate died my freshman year of high school and I was, you know, in the guidance counselor's office screaming on the floor, Uh, my friend Brian came down to the office. He was there, also a close friend of the boyhood, passed away and gave me a huge hug. And then Brian was actually one of the ones that we lost six years later, six or seven years later. So it was, it's a very, you know, I'm looking at it back now as an adult Mm. and processing it Mm. um, and kind of seeing the beauty in a lot of those connections and how yeah. special all of those people were in their own yeah. ways. But yeah, yeah, it was um, a barrage of pain for sure. And it's
0: just incredible to have gone through so many intense grieving experiences in, in such close proximity time-wise because you're just sort of developing who you are during that time period and then to have, have, have suffered so much loss is is huge absolutely devastatingly huge and changes your perspective I imagine changed your you know the way that you potentially looked at the world as someone Mm -hmm. growing up you know it wasn't it didn't maybe feel like such a safe place because people could be gone you know people could be gone in a really short amount of time and Mm -hmm. and there's something like you said about beautiful connections there's something both sort of beautiful and incredibly painful about that that you perhaps feel it's really important to make the most of everything of now of people who you love and then on the other hand it's it's a, a real difficulty of how do you feel confident again going out and doing things how do you put that grief to bed in a way that feels safe and as you said when you were describing your second experience that it brought up lots of feelings that you possibly hadn't been able to deal with because we only have so much capacity right we don't Mm -hmm, we're not you know it's not an endless bucket (laughs) of of, of capacity you know we have a capacity and then and then also our our minds you know are in one way shape or form looking after us they're trying to do the best by us and say okay this is too much this is too painful let's put this away and Mm -hmm. we'll come back to this but then maybe there hasn't been the right time to come back to it because something else has happened and something else has happened and thank you thank you so much for sharing it's huge and I'm I'm really sorry that it's been such a difficult experience and very unique um to have gone through so much at such a young age
1: yeah and I think it's really important to express that I am a piece of a very big community who Mm. all experience this Mm -hmm. um kind of this 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 layering effect of pain and trauma, and all of us were connected to these individuals in different ways. Some more strong than me, some I was closer. So, there was a very much a community. And I, I always say my my graduating class we were sort of forged with fire. Right. Um, we are, are still Absolutely. very close. And I when I I talk to a lot of you know colleagues now or you know fr- new friends that I'm making, I ask you know how close are you with the people that you went to school with and. It's varying degrees, but I would say, even if we've all sort of taken all these different life paths, if something happens, we know how to be there for each other and we always have. And we look out for each other um, and we let each other know when one of us might need to be looked after in different ways. Because we've had, you know, the same as any large group of people, we've had people battling depression um drug use uh run-ins with the law that type of thing we come from a very small town <laughs> um and so you know not a ton of wealth and inequality just a a really uh, unique experience I guess but I went through it with a lot of other people and we you know it's a it's not just me <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's built kind of a community
0: that's so interesting isn't it because it's not always easy to find what positive good things might come out of tragedy but actually as you describe it this close-knit community who really really care for each other look out for each other is is a really positive outcome yes Mm. as you say forged with fire out of necessity potentially Mm. but that's something really beautiful really wholesome to have come out of this real difficult time and experience and I think you're right I you know when I think about friends and and my experience of who I'm connected with from my time at school it, it you know I I can't tell you I'm I'm in touch with lots of people from school because because I'm not you know I might have them on my social media or peripheral friendship groups yeah. <laughs> but um, there's only very few that are still really close friends and and I think that's something really special and unique and Uh, And really lovely about what's happened to you that this positive thing has grown from a real deep, sad grief, you know? Um,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more I I look back on it and when I think about the different ages that I was at when all of these things happened and how my parents, you know, reacted, um, I think one of the best things that they gave me was kind of like what we were talking about before was the freedom to sort of explore my grief instead mm. of trying to make it what it needed to be or get things back to normal immediately. Anytime, right. you know, one of them said something about life moving on, you know, I was, ooh, <laughs> it was not, yeah, not, yeah. not 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 right. right. you're hearing that conversation. But, you know, alongside there was so many conversations, conversations and just the freedom. And they were, you know, very honest with me going through this. They said, we don't, we don't exactly know how to help you through this because like you said, it's not normal. And Mm -hmm. we haven't even experienced this level of grief that you have at such a young age. And my sister, up until losing one of her very close friends um, in a car accident, hadn't experienced it either. And so one of the things as we've kind of moved through this journey, and I've become, you know, more emotionally intelligent, more aware of other people's feelings and being able to connect with them, whenever someone close to me goes through something like this, I do have a bit of an understanding and a level set where I can I can kind of walk in their shoes and hopefully help them through it. Yeah, um, give them the permission to be who they need to be in that those those first few days and the months the months shortly after. And I, out of all of the pain, it is nice to know that I have that strength and that capability to help other people. Um, because definitely in most cases I know how they felt.
0: Right, there's two things actually that I really really liked about what you said there but that the first thing is that capacity that's you know going through extreme tragedy really difficult situations lots of grief at all at a very young age gives you an immense capacity for empathy with other people an immense amount of resilience and strength because ultimately you've already been through some harrowing situations and really dark emotions so that actually in in one way it makes you really okay when when you get curveballs sent your way because you think Mm -hmm. well this is all right I've dealt with worse than this you know and this is not ideal but I have lots of really good coping mechanisms and if worst case scenario if think bad things do happen I have a huge amount of skills and you will have have huge amount of resources that is unique to you because your experiences are unique.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful tools in that toolkit is understanding that you can be whoever you need to be mm. when that's, when these things happen. And that's what I tried to tell a lot of people. And I, I posted it shortly after a friend of ours passed away was that, you know you can be the person who jumps into action or you can be the person screaming on the floor. Like I've been both and it's okay yeah. to be both. And I I try to give other people that permission in that, you know, because everybody is connected to this person or this experience in a different way. And some of them might be navigating grief for the first time. Some might be old, old people like me who have been through it a few times. Um, And every, every single one hits you differently. And I think, you know, a lot of the the classic training of grief talks about, you know, the straight line and you go through these stages and then it's over. And mm. the reality is it's huge, wide tangled net of navigating all of those emotions at a different time. And sometimes you go backwards and sometimes you go forwards and, you know, understanding that that's, that's part of the process and that's okay um, has helped me in the the more recent, you know, grief experiences that I've had. Um, but also just you know connecting with people when they're going through it and trying to figure out where they're at and say well you know if you're in a stage here's a few things that that helped me they might not help you but you know if you're looking for tools I have I have a few I can give you
0: that's really beautiful I really really love that and about that sort of toolkit idea as well you know and it really is okay you're so right it there's nothing about grief that's linear there's a lovely Mm -hmm. some lovely models that some (laughs) that some people have very diligently made um over the years about about some of the processes but ultimately it is absolutely unique to each person and as you say it's it's a web of connectivity isn't it and there's no real knowing what particular things might trigger you or might take you back there for and completely unexpectedly and and also that our, our grief and all of our emotions are multi, multi-sensory you know there's mm-hmm. you don't know whether you're gonna you're gonna come across a smell or a sight or a sound that you haven't seen since something really difficult happened and then be mm-hmm. sort of transported back there because our memories are stored in the creative side of our brain and so they're accessible in that creative way rather than the logical way and it's really lovely to sort of decompartmentalize and say well I'm just going to put my grief away now I've processed it and deal with it I'll pack it and put it away mm. but it it isn't it's much more fluid than that and it's much more connected up to other experiences other people other other things that are going on around you and it, I think you're really really right and I really honor what you've said there about it's okay to be the person who's jumps into action and it's okay to be the person who's, who's screaming on the floor because mm-hmm. it's unique. Every grief experience is unique. Every person has their own experiences of which we know a tiny percentage of and we cannot know all of the things. So there's no way we can know what else it's relating to and connecting to for them. And also our body does what it's going to do in the moment you know <laughs> we don't have control over that that's that is just what happens you know whether it goes into the the kind of fight or flight or freeze response whether it goes into a sort of an extreme emotional reaction we don't we you we can't have logical control over that and actually I don't think we want to there's something mm-hmm. something very very healthy about having a big emotional reaction because ultimately you're externalizing some of that deep instant pain mm-hmm. rather than shutting it down and internalizing it in which case it needs to kind of come up later at another time and and often that is more difficult and it's not to say if you externalize it all in the moment it will be done until it of course not <laughs> no. but um, there is something about it being really really healthy to express some of that I think.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would say one of the the overall themes that came out of this in a way that I've still struggled with it, you know, as as much as I'd like to say I'm this, you know, strong, helpful person, I I still I still really struggle with a lot of these experiences mm. coming up like you said, being mm. triggered by certain things like I said, I was telling you before the show, I just recently started playing basketball again and every single yeah. time I do, I I think about those girls and I miss them oh. and um what I've found is that and what my, what my uh, personal wonderful therapist dubbed sort of the survivor's guilt mentality, that if you go through Mm. enough of these experiences and, you know, you've made your way through and you've just sort of been on the outskirts the entire time, you, you do navigate some of those same emotions that uh, people who survive really traumatic accidents or things like that start to go through, which feels weird to say out loud and on here, but I will say that a lot of the way that you know, my therapist has spoken about, it feels, feels right. And it, and it shows up in other areas of your life. These feelings of overcompensation and a little bit overreactional or, you know, feeling guilty when things completely out of your control happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that can rear its head in, in different areas of your life. And acknowledging that has been, a, has been a process, but mm. it's, it's definitely allowed me to give myself a break in some of the, the ways that I criticize myself in my normal life, you know, outside mm. of this grieving emotional side of me. Um, there's oh, these other you. things that come up that are frustrating and it's given me a little, bit of, a little bit of a break to say, wow, you know, everybody's experience is different, but mine particularly has been um, hard and just losing people. So giving myself a little bit of, of credit I don't know how to say Absolutely. that right <laughs> no no
0: no no. I think that's the right I think you know everyone know, would know what you meant by that and I and thank just thank you for for being brave and sharing that because it's really really valid to to have that that sort of overcompensation that that guilt that's almost misplaced it's not really yours it's just there because of what you've been through and and understanding that it it isn't actually yours and it isn't your responsibility to compensate for for all these difficult things that have happened or Mm -hmm. that you should necessarily do any particular things with your life other than what exactly what you want to do because Mm -hmm. it is your life and and that's incredibly complex and difficult to talk about and and also you explained it in such a a simple way which I think is really graspable you know it's not a It's a really complicated concept, but actually you've explained it in a way that's really accessible and I think it is something really valid and and potentially someone who's listening to this might think, oh my goodness, you know, that's something they can relate to if they've been through something like experiences that have the extreme nature of what you've been through. And it's extremely difficult to be the one left behind and the one left behind repeatedly, And Mm -hmm. that's not to say left behind as if you don't want to be here. That's just to say left behind because of all the experiences that have happened. It's something that, you know, you almost in a way have to be really. I'm consciously thinking in my head about how to say it sensitively enough, you know, because it's a Mm -hmm. really, really big and painful and difficult thing to -hmm. explore. And it sounds as though you're doing some amazing work with your therapist, which, you know, needs to be done. And it's really important that you've got that space for yourself. And I mean, that leads sort of beautifully on to, you know, what has supported you, what has helped you. And you've mentioned briefly therapy, but I mean, I wonder if there were other things that and it can be that they were at the time or it might have been afterwards or, you know, any particular things that have helped you in your processing of these really difficult emotions in moving from a place of feeling very, very low to feeling like it was a bit more manageable so
1: yes number one therapy has been huge um i went through a little bit of therapy in high mm. school prior to leaving school so that was that was my first you know experience with that and then throughout the rest of my life i've been kind of on and off in mm. session more recently in session i think the pandemic brought a lot of those you know residual feelings up for mm. a lot of people we were Absolutely. thinking through a lot of things we haven't thought about in years and so um i even before i was getting close to crisis i made sure to I had just moved to a new town, so uh, reaching out and finding a resource who's been wonderful. So that's been really you. great.
0: Good feeling. Um,
1: I would say, you know, I, I go back to the community a lot because when someone in your life passes away, everybody does have an individual experience and an individual reaction. But there is so much connectivity when people your age who are around you and close friends. It feels like you should shut them out because they couldn't possibly understand, but. I think it's this this acceptance between people that we don't we don't know exactly what the other person is going through, but we know it's it's hard. And, mm. you know, just being there for our community. And I've really taken steps over the course of leaving high school and up through now over the past ten to eleven years of checking in on everyone. You know, there's this horrible phrase that goes around about, you know, stop watering dead plants, where it's basically like stop mm. stop texting people who don't text you back. And right. I'm I'm, I'm over here saying, you know, a text is probably the easiest thing you could possibly do and yeah. who knows what people are going through. So mm-hmm. I've made an effort, you know, on a regular basis, just for people I haven't heard from, or maybe I've seen something in the news about what, what's going on in their life. Just to say, Hey, I'm here. If you need to talk, I don't mean, or if I think of them, like if I, if I dream about someone, I usually send them a message the next day. And I don't usually tell them I've jumped about them. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's become sort of this intuition Gut mm-hmm. reaction to say, oof, they're on my brain. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason to reach out, and a few times it's actually it's proven valid. And you know, they said, actually, I've been having a really hard time, and they sort of, you know, just let go and start mm-hmm. explaining what's going on. Or sometimes they just say, thanks, it's great to hear from you. Or they mm-hmm. don't respond back at all, which is totally fine as well. But I would say one of the positive things has been I appreciate those relationships so much more, and I if someone is going through something really hard, I almost always try to reach out. And even if I can't do anything, um, you know, I know that from my experience, someone just saying, I'm here for you can go a long way.
0: It really means something, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah. So that's been wonderful. And then I've been developing this sort of new phase of my life where I'm really Mm. diving headfirst into a lot of the creative energy I've had for a long time. My okay. job is a is a creative job. I work mm-hmm. in marketing, so I get to be creative there, but it's for this like corporate structure which isn't okay. too exciting. Um, <laughs> pays the bills, but that's about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so <laughs> I've really tried to branch out and do do some new things that challenge me and that bring out this super creative emotional side of me Um, and one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Susan David she talks about grief and she says like grief is love looking for a home and it I heard that a few weeks ago and it I immediately started bawling my eyes out because
0: it's
1: it's the most beautiful explanation of what I've been going through of Mm. all of these emotions that you feel when you lose someone it it has to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. It needs needs to go somewhere. And I think this last year of creating my podcast, Can't Stop Learning, you know, I'm working on, you know, starting all of these kind of new ventures and getting into different business things. And I'm reading a ton and, you know, I'm just expressing all of this stuff that I think I've kept down for a really Mm -hmm. long time. And I think that was it. You know, I, I lost this, you know, direction of love. And so I'm just, redirecting it into all these other places and that's helped me a lot was just accepting that you know this person who is an object or of an object of direction of your love and your your caring your compassion is no longer here so Mm. you need to take that energy and put it into something that hopefully will either improve your life you know by side effect improve other people's lives as well
0: that's so beautiful, thank you for sharing that, the redirect the love idea, that's just so beautiful and and it's so true as well, you know, we have a huge amount of love that doesn't necessarily have anywhere to go and we have to figure mm-hmm. out where is a place that we can channel that and feel good about it, you know, or feel slightly better, it's not necessarily good in the moment but feel okay about it. And that's really beautiful that you've been exploring that sort of creative nature because something I find really interesting about creativity is that I had I had a belief that kind of, I'm an art therapist, which my listeners will probably know, but just in case anyone's listening for the first time. So art is kind of fundamental to everything I do, but I definitely don't let myself have creativity sometimes. Like I take it away in a strange way when everything's too difficult. I'm like, oh no, I, can't, I don't have time to deal with that. I can't i can't be in that emotional space because i'm too vulnerable is what's going on although i wouldn't have worded it like that because i won't think about it i just Mm -hmm. won't let myself have it and i don't really know why and then there's also something about needing to be in a safe enough place to be creative because it brings up so much emotional stuff i know as an art therapist that i will often find out what's going on with my clients whether it's deep trauma or a, a lower level thing within the first few sessions through the artwork that they create. And that's not because I've judged their artwork just because mm-hmm. it's tapping straight into where the memory base and where the creative side of our brain is and where all those memories are stored. And and there's some really, really gorgeous connectivity that happens that there's a part of me that has to feel really safe to make artwork. But then there's another part of me that actually realizes that artwork lets me feel safe so it's almost like that creativity can run parallel to really difficult experiences it's just about knowing that it's it's safe enough to to be in that space you know and and i suppose having those boundaries for yourself which we can only figure out as we get it wrong you know as we get the boundary Mm -hmm. wrong we then figure out where the boundary is and then we're able to sort of look after ourselves help ourselves feel safe and protected all of which is really important. And I imagine, you know, and I, of course, I don't know because I I haven't been in your experiences, but I imagine that there has had to have been a lot of work about you feeling safe and you feeling okay, given lots of different, all these different things that have happened that have, that would potentially make you feel unsafe at at any, you know, different ages.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most complicated parts of, Of losing so many different people in different ways is that you don't I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but you don't really have something concrete to hold on to to say this is the thing that makes you lose people Mm. so I think I felt that way about cars and highways for a while shortly after the first losses but and 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 since then you know people we know have have passed in car accidents which is Mm. a super scary thing but I don't I don't have too much of a fear of that as much as I probably would if every person I lost had right. passed away in a vehicle accident. Mm. Um, this sort of combination of, you know, health problems, trauma, accidents. It's this really painful, but wonderful understanding that it could just happen. Any anybody can be gone for for any reason at any time. And that's why, you know, holding on to what you have is so important, but also understanding that I've gone through this so many times and every time has been a different level of intensity, but every time I have managed to move through it. And I think when I think about other things in my life that could be really difficult, losing a job, losing a pet, becoming disabled, like there's a lot of different things that could happen or people in my life could experience these things. I do feel like I have that resilience of, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I know I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to move through it somehow And I don't know if you know that unless until you sort of go through it and you move yourself through one of those really painful experiences. And uh, with the help of a therapist, for sure, yeah. move yourself, <laughs> yeah, move yourself through those experiences. And it, it does build this sort of inner strength. Yeah.
0: I think that would be really heartwarming for people to hear, actually, especially if anyone is going for a really difficult experience right now. Mm-hmm. It's very hard in the moment to see the point of it all and to to find purpose and to feel that you have room for all of the emotions that you're feeling, but actually there can be some really beautiful outcomes that you never would have necessarily wanted or anticipated, but actually in hindsight you end up sort of grateful for in a way, you know, obviously not the experience and the loss, but but grateful for the things that you've been able to learn about yourself and the capacity and strength and resilience that you've developed and Mm-hmm. And these sort of unique to you gifts that you will have because of your experiences that potentially you wouldn't want them to be any different now, even though the experiences have been hard and you would never have chosen them. On the other hand, there are these outcomes that, that serve you, that are serving mm-hmm. you well now. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the only thing that we can hope for if you lo- if you lose someone who's close to you, who loved you, who cared about you, is that the best thing you can do is, is find your strength and find a way to move through it and find a way to redirect that love. Like if, if that, if I was to leave tomorrow, that's what I would want is the people who loved me to redirect it somewhere that it was helping other people. And so I think I've, I've tried to hold on to that of, you know, what, what would they hope that I would do knowing all, knowing all that they know and knowing what, what happened, they would Mm. hope that I, I tried to move through it and I tried to help other people. And, uh, as much as I could, and tried to just enjoy what I've been lucky to have that they never got. So
0: yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. There's there's really nice there's
0: some beauty there. Definitely, definitely, and there is there is beauty in in really deep sadness as well. You know, obviously at the time, you know, it's not accessible. It not, does accessible. not, feel it's not that way. It no, takes no, no, no. a long time. Yeah, really, really does. But there is hopefully a point at which you can take the moments that come which you feel glowy about and feel good about and then be grateful for that small small beauty in the in the in the big sadness you know because in the breakdown I think that's that's a that's a
1: popular lyric
0: yes Um, yeah 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 and it's you know things like when people put um Two words together that don't go like beautiful disaster. There's a that's mm-hmm. another song lyric. Um, but it's that idea that there is something to be held and something to be had in the really difficult moments, and and that that's something you know a small thread of something to hold on to you know, for, mm-hmm. for for someone who's going through something really difficult. And and thank you. What beautiful ideas and stories you've shared. You know, and I really love what you've spoken about there as well about how important therapy has been for you because you know i do really value therapy and Mm. the community which is something that is constantly in flux and constantly changing and you know so many people have online communities and not so much offline communities but there is something so so valuable in our social real life social network you know that is really really valuable and then and then this sort of creative nature the intuition that you've described as well where you reach out to someone if they've come to you in a dream or something else um that you've had you've thought about them and and actually there's a really good chance that something is going on for them and and it's it's trusting that isn't it it's being confident maybe enough to trust that you know and maybe Something about going through these really difficult experiences makes you worry a bit less about the judgment around intuition Mm. and and being able to just go, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just Mm. going to do it. And and that's something really, really beautiful. I think I rely on my intuition so much, but it's taken me my whole life to get to the point that I am now where I trust it. You know that ninety nine percent of the time is yeah. on the ball, and if that one percent of the time it isn't, it's probably because I've changed what it's trying to tell me yeah. in some way. You know, I really and do. it's trusting
1: it. It's trusting it within yourself and the decisions you make in your own life, but also with how you react to other people. I think, like like you said, you know, ninety nine percent of the time it's probably going to serve you well. One one percent it won't, but I think even going through adulthood going through the last year and a half of the mm. pandemic, mm-hmm. trusting what those feelings are inside you and not trying to force yourself to react in a certain way. And I think there is a lot of expectation that, you know, if you're now in quarantine, you need to learn to make bread. You need to learn to, oh you know, goodness. take yeah. a <laughs> class. Like there's all this pressure and people were like, I, that's not what I, that's not what I feel. What's that's that not me? what I, I'm ready mm. to do. And with every experience in my life, I think for the past- you know, 18 years since my first loss, I feel that like I've learned to trust my gut and I've learned to just let it guide me through so many of these things where if I'm feeling sad about something that happened seven or 10 years ago, even I just let myself, Explore that and sit in it and not try to fix it, not try to say, Well, it was forever ago. Why am I still sad? Or, you know, I reach out to a friend who knows the feeling. You know, we Mm -hmm. have the the death anniversaries and the birthdays that they don't have anymore. And those are those are moments where you might reach out because you're thinking about it, but there's other days in between where you're kind of on the floor and you just Mm -hmm. feel sad and you just have to trust that you're feeling it for a reason and that, you know, if know reach out if you feel like you need to or do something artistic to get get that love out Mm. um you know there's just letting yourself trusting yourself to experience those emotions whenever they whenever they come um that's
0: really fundamental actually i think about permission there you said about having permission to feel the feelings even if it logically doesn't make sense because Let's, let's put that in a bit of context for a second that if we're talking about our memories being stored in the creative part of our brain we know that our creative brain isn't linear it's not the logical side and of course mm-hmm. it's going to come in waves or circles or cycles or being triggered by specific things or or sensory triggers it makes total sense that they're you know it's going to come when it comes it's not going to ask us for permission to mm-hmm. have you got room for a day of grief today it's not going to do that <laughs> it's no. just going to it's going to come when it comes and giving yourself permission letting it come and let the feelings come up and just let them flow and feel them and then come back to back to the ground when you're ready I think Mm -hmm. is so powerful and and if you're struggling to yes like you say reach out like if you're struggling with it reach out to people who are also connected or or as again as you said to a therapist or a mental health professional or someone who can who can support you I think is just so valuable and such valuable advice for people as well so thank you.
1: Yes, of course. I'm so happy to have the chance to talk about this. This Mm. is probably the first time in my life I've talked about all of these things holistically outside of therapy. So that's a real privilege for us then.
0: Yeah, a real privilege. (laughs) Thank you. And tell us a little bit about where this has led you now. So where are you now? What are you doing now? And how has this kind of fed into life as it is now for you?
1: So I I touched on a few of these things earlier, but like I said, I'm redirecting the love. (laughs) So um, I, you know, I have my, my show can't stop learning. It's a a podcast. And basically I, I talk to people from all around the world. I've been lucky enough to have connections. Pretty much everywhere and in, in my own life of people who are passionate about things but not necessarily experts and mm-hmm. um i take the chance to just interview those people and talk to them about a specific topic and we we learn together and i am a, a non-stop bookworm um or ted talk enthusiast or youtube watcher i I, <laughs> yes. I i take in a lot of this i'm very good at trivia because i take mm-hmm. in a lot of crazy oh, information. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that's been that's been one way to kind of redirect a lot of this this creative energy is into the into the podcast itself. Um, My my job, like I said, is in marketing. I put on events, so you know, in that in that space, I get to bring people together for the good of their their profession, which is a really really fun and exciting career. Um, Yeah. I recently moved from within the last year. I moved from my hometown back east um, on the east coast of the U.S. over to Montana, which is kind of the the big empty part of the U.S. Wow. Yeah. um, Big move. Yeah. Into the woods. And I I think, again, letting myself just I knew I, I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to experience something new. And we had come to visit some friends out here and I trusted that gut feeling, you know, that Mm. I couldn't put into words why I loved it so much here. And I couldn't even, I couldn't not explain it to people. And I, I trusted that to be a kind of a guiding light. And we said, no, we're just gonna, we're gonna go for it. And so we tried something really big and new and scary. And it's been awesome
0: i was Um, just gonna say awesome was the word (laughs) in my head and you said it it's like yes yeah it's been
1: really really rewarding and we've got to meet so many new amazing people from all over uh the specific town we live in is sort of this this mishmash of people who have lived here forever and people a lot of people who moved to the state um so that's been that's been really rewarding like i said i'm kind of dabbling in some of these new business ventures taking the work I normally do and helping out some other companies. Um, You know, we're looking at real estate, you know, there's just like all of these like fun, fun things that I am trying to really just take hold of what I want and really try to, I know I have all this, this energy and this excitement and this passion. So I just keep finding new ways to direct it. And I also give myself permission if I get a little far into it and say, this really isn't for me. Um, Yeah scale back a little bit. I think when I first started the podcast, I was like, I'm going to drop an episode every week (laughs) and then life happens. And that's, that's just not reality and people get busy and it's hard to find the time to do the recording. So that's, that's the most passion project that I have right now. It's just when I have the time to do it, you know, I Mm. drop an episode and mostly it's being shared with friends and family. So that's been really special, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, as my mom would say, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I always have been, I've have dabble in everything. Um, so that's, that's been really special and just connecting with people in new ways is mm. my favorite thing. So meeting you over a, yeah. you know, a Facebook group was, yeah. was phenomenal. I'm, I'm so excited to have this connection now and, you know, new people I've met here through, sports or through, Mm. you know, as the world's starting to open up a little bit here, you know, Mm -hmm. finding ways to meet new people. So I've, I've tried to just take all of this energy that would go into, you know, feeling sad or Mm. analyzing grief, Mm. um, which I have done, which is is actually, if you can remove yourself from the situation and actually analyze what you went through, it's a really interesting experience. Mm. There's a lot of great, great content out there from people like Susan David and Mm. uh, Brene Brown, and the like of just exploring what that vulnerable part of yourself feels like so I don't know I'm an
0: open book (laughs) no I love that and I just I really love that you're kind of really embracing all of the intuition the creativity and just following your following what feels good and that's Mm -hmm. that's the dream isn't it just following Mm -hmm. what feels good I feel like that's where I aim for ultimately with with my life is that I'm, I'm just following what feels good I'm following my happiness and the things that feel like an honest and genuine expression of myself and what I really care deeply about and what I'm passionate about and and, and also like you said it's, it's okay to change your mind if you were passionate about something and then you think actually I'm gonna like, slightly redirect then that's that's okay too but it's a really a really gorgeous potential space to be in because you're in this space of of potential and all the things that can happen and and just di- directing your energy and your love in the, in the directions that you that you that feels good to you at the time which is is yeah. really really beautiful so i love that
1: yeah and i i would say it doesn't go without a cost mm-hmm. you know being one of the people who follows follows your intuition follows your gut is not, doesn't always sit well with everyone else. Mm. You know, it's, it's hard mm. for people to maybe understand exactly. It's the same when you're going through grief, you're doing things and people don't understand why you're doing them. But if yeah. you follow your gut and you just move through it, chances are, you're going to be better off. than if you're listening to everybody else. So I've had to, that's been part of it is, you know, yes, I'm doing all these things and exploring all these things, but there's plenty of people who are critiquing the way I'm doing it, or don't understand mm. why I'm doing it. So mm. that's, that's just part of, part of, The beauty of it is you get to do all these things but also just explore your relationships with people and your and be able to start to let go of what everybody else sort of thinks absolutely
0: (laughs) Absolutely. and how empowering is that when you do as well I have to say because I can relate to what you've said there and I think yes exploring your relationships with other people but also it makes you explore your relationship with yourself and And your self-belief and and how much you think actually I do know myself better than anyone else so I am gonna trust that that intuition that instinct whatever it might be and if I'm wrong I'm wrong and that's okay Mm. I'm okay with it so it doesn't and then it can't be sort of can't be sort of wielded against you if you're okay with that it might go wrong but you're gonna give it a go anyway then it's Mm. it it doesn't have the power for someone else to say but what if it goes wrong because you're like yeah I, I mean I'm I'm kind of aware that that could happen and I'm okay with it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're so right. It's really valid to to think about because it is hard sometimes to follow your intuition when it doesn't make sense to other people. And that's okay. It's okay mm-hmm. if you have to sort of find a middle ground. It's okay if you follow it anyway. It's okay if you <laughs> choose not to and then you mm-hmm. think later, I, I kind of wish I, I had. And that's a learning point, isn't it? For next time yeah. to sort of trust yourself. Definitely. Thank you. What a gorgeous chat. I've enjoyed this so much. So thank you. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? If they think, yes, they've really resonated with this and they want to connect up with you and what you're doing. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Oh, I love that. And again, I really appreciate it. I've loved this conversation as well. I loved you for the minute I met you. So this has Aww. been awesome.
0: Aww, um, you, if you want to get in touch you. with
1: me, like I said, I'm an open book, you're more than welcome to reach out to me about this topic or anything else. Um, my podcast is uh, can't stop learning podcast. It's on pretty much all of the main podcast hubs. Um, there's an email in that show, but it's can't stop learning podcast at gmail.com. You know, that's open door. Feel free to come in and contact me that way. And at can't stop Pod on Instagram would be great
0: amazing amazing that's a really nice um selection of routes for people so they've got choices and all of that will obviously be on the show notes for this episode as well so the listeners can access that as well is there any sort of last thoughts or anything you felt like uh, you you wanted to touch on and we hadn't or anything like that And it's absolutely fine if there isn't just want to give you space as we finish
1: um be patient with yourself, everyone. You know, regardless of if you're going through grief right now or you're you're going to experience it and you don't know it. Um, just be patient, be accepting of the feelings that are coming. Um, connect with people who may or may not know what you're going through. Don't don't isolate yourself if you don't have to. I think it, that's one of the, the compounding factors when you're really, really sad is if you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, um, talk to me, (laughs) talk talk to your therapist, (laughs) you know, reach out to somebody. Um, I, I I hope that you will. um, And just trust, trust your intuition, trust your gut, do, do what feels right. Um, I, I hope that more people start doing that because, and, and
0: be less judgy of other people who are doing it. (laughs) Mm, Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. What sort of, so many nuggets of amazing support and advice and wisdom in there so thank you thank you wow i absolutely loved that episode and i really hope that you did too what a special story and message to be sharing with the world i'm so grateful to danielle for really being vulnerable enough to share that with us it was really really special As ever, you can get in touch with Danielle using the show notes which will be the link attached to the episode on whichever platform that you're listening to. You can also find them at dawnbreaks.co.uk and you'll find all of the show notes for every single episode there. I've also added a new page on the website which is a donate page. So if you appreciate what we're doing here and you would like to support us, you can do that at dawnbreaks.co.uk forward slash donate. Otherwise, take really good care sing.